Trachoma is the leading infectious cause of blindness, affecting the poorest and most marginalised in society, with communities and cultures in Africa affected and at risk. International initiatives have had significant success in controlling trachoma in recent years, and the World Health Assembly has called for its elimination as a public health problem by 2020. In a public engagement talk at the British Museum, Dr Anna Last from the school talked about the history of trachoma in Africa, its cultural links and whether we're winning the battle against this devastating disease. Trachoma is a collected tropical disease. It's a communicable disease. It's a disease that's caused by a bacterium called Chlamydia trachomatis, which is present in the conjunctiva of the eye. It's an infectious disease that's passed from person to person, usually in children under the age of 10 years and with repeated infections in communities where this is endemic the eyelid can go on to get scarred and cause interning of the eyelashes which then rub against the globe of the eye and cause scarring and abrasions over the cornea which eventually causes blindness and it's not everybody that gets the infection initially that becomes blind But in endemic areas where there's a large amount of infection being transmitted without intervention, there are significant proportions of people who are at risk of blindness from this disease. At the moment, 325 million people live in trachoma endemic areas and are at risk of this. And it is the most prominent cause of blindness related to infection with about... 2 million people being blind from trachoma and a similar number being uh, visually impaired. And in terms of the global effort to control and eliminate trachoma, can you talk a little bit about WHO goals and any alliances? So many years ago, trachoma was so neglected that it didn't make it onto the neglected tropical diseases list. So eventually it did make it onto the list And in 1997, the WHO, in alliance with a number of NGOs that have been working in trachoma and groups that have been undertaking research in trachoma, such as us here at the London School, got together to prioritise elimination of this disease as a public health problem. So to eliminate it to the point where we felt it wasn't being transmitted anymore and that people weren't getting the downstream consequences that would lead to blindness and that's focused on a strategy that we call SAFE which is surgery for the trichiasis which is the interned eyelashes, antibiotics for the active infection which we give out by community mass drug distribution to the whole communities and then other strategies to promote facial hygiene and improve environmental conditions mostly related to sanitation to reduce the transmission and reduce these downstream consequences. So this strategy was adopted. It was supported by the groups that comprise the alliance and also by Pfizer, one of the pharmaceutical companies who agreed to supply all of the azithromycin, which is the oral antibiotic that we use to treat active infection in these communities. And has WHO set any specific goals for trachoma? So the Global Alliance for Elimination of Trachoma as a Blinding Disease is set to eliminate it as a blinding disease by 2020. 
So looking at Africa, can you discuss the burden there? Um, well, the greatest burden of trachoma that exists in the world now is, is in Africa. The 14 countries with the highest burden of disease are in sub-Saharan Africa, and it's where the majority of the, the problem continues to exist. Trachoma has been embedded in African communities for many, many years. I mean, the trachoma has existed back to ancient Egyptian times and before that, even in Europe. It's obviously not existing in Europe anymore. So it's been in Africa probably since the beginning. Chlamydia trachomatis is a very happy pathogen in the human host. Then your work specifically, at least recently, has been in this Bijagos Islands archipelago off of Guinea-Bissau. Can you talk a little bit about what you were doing there? So Guinea-Bissau is one of the countries that has not yet eliminated trachoma. Um, it's a small country in West Africa. It's just north of Guinea-Conakry, which is the, where the current Ebola outbreak started. It's got a population of about one and a half million. It's a very poor nation and has very low-scoring human development indices. And the group of islands, the Bajagos Islands off the coast of Guinea-Bissau, are particularly remote in terms of the geographic remoteness and also the sort of cultural isolation of populations there because they're quite different culturally and ethnically to the mainland populations and there are additional logistic constraints such that healthcare is more limited on the islands than it is on the mainland so access to healthcare and ability to provide interventions is was very limited when we first started working there there's a lot of trachoma there about one in four children would have evidence of disease and infection when we looked there were a lot of people who had developed scarring of their eyelids and a significant proportion of people who had trichiasis which would then put them at risk of blindness so it was a major public health problem there and the island setup provided a very unique environment to undertake studies looking at the distribution of disease and some of the factors relating to the infection itself and also gave us the opportunity to intervene and provide treatment and then evaluate how how that was working and in theory because you have an island population it should be easier to eliminate it because you don't have mass movements that we've seen elsewhere that reintroduce infection so it's a unique environment to study trachoma in and we think we will be able to eliminate it from, from the islands within the WHO time frame. So you have been looking at pathogen diversity specifically. Can you mm-hmm. explain what that means and how that would contribute to elimination efforts? Chlamydia is an intracellular organism, so it's a bacterium, but it behaves a little bit like a virus. Um, it needs to be within human cells to grow. So. Previously, um, those of us doing research into chlamydia have had significant problems in terms of making a diagnosis and studying the infection because of the technical difficulties involved in growing chlamydia. It's um, a bit of an art that involves cell culture techniques and there aren't that many people who can do it. Since new molecular laboratory technologies have been available, so DNA-based technologies, where we can find a bit of chlamydial DNA and amplify it. It's opened up a lot of doors for infection testing, so we can 
see where an infection exists, how it relates to disease. We can map it, we can use um, geographical information systems to map the infection and the intensity of infection because we can also measure how much infection is there. And we can use these techniques to also sequence the genome of chlamydia trachomatis without the need for culture. So this is a very novel thing. And we've been able to get a lot of detail about the organism from the whole genome sequencing. And we're sort of pairing that with the disease that we see to look for associations between genes in chlamydia and severity of disease. And that tells us something about pathogenesis. And it may also provide future options for studying potential vaccine candidates against chlamydia. Okay. Since you mentioned earlier that children are at greater risk, do you do any work around schools, sort of school-based treatments or approaches? Um, That has been looked at previously. Uh, Targeted treatment has been looked at. Um, I guess the major issue is that although children under the age of 10 have are the largest of the group with the most amount of disease and infection, it's really the 0 to 5 year olds or the 1 to 5 year olds that have the greatest burden of infection and they're not in school yet. So we have quite a lot of um, evidence from previous studies that supports this as a household based disease. So transmission is most likely to occur at household level and then to a lesser extent at community level because of mixing of children and and transmission so it hasn't been felt that schools are a major source of transmission Um, and if you go to a school to examine children they're often some of the cleanest children because part of what they get taught at school is face washing and hand washing so you may have a slightly biased view of things if you only targeted schools and there have been studies looking at targeted uh, treatment and it hasn't been as effective as treating the whole community and I think there are a number of reasons for that but I think schools are a great opportunity to provide education for more sort of general hygiene and sanitation measures that children will take back to their homes um, within the limits of what they can do so I think it's an important kind of place to target educationally but it's basically a household-based disease rather than school-based. Looking ahead, um, what are your, your own plans with your research in this area, um, as well as what do you think are the next steps for the global community around trachoma control? So many countries are, are about to enter the sort of elimination phase where they've received mass treatment according to WHO policies and they're then going to be under surveillance to make sure that it doesn't recur and establish itself again for whatever reason, either reintroduction or the fact that it can resurge if if the full aspects of SAFE aren't employed. So surveillance will be one issue and that ties in with the Global Trachoma Mapping Project um, which was launched a few years ago to try and map all endemic countries uh, map the prevalence of active trachoma and trichiasis um, to assist with programme planning. So this surveillance period will feed back into that and we'll be able to similarly map elimination data globally. 
There are countries that have not been as successful with the mass drug treatment for various reasons, despite good implementation of treatment and good coverage. And these are countries where probably our role as trachoma researchers uh, is greatest because we need to establish why this is the case and if there are alternative strategies that we can use. So, for example, we're looking at various operational studies to look at different dosing regimes, to look at adding in specific hygiene measures that we can include and do that under a... under trial conditions to see which has the greatest impact and whether we can have more impact in these high prevalence communities that aren't responding to antibiotics alone. And then in the long term, although things are looking promising to eliminate ocular chlamydial infection, chlamydia as a disease is obviously, as an infection is widespread globally and has consequences in terms of pelvic inflammatory disease and um, infertility and so so the challenge remains to find a vaccine and because the organisms that cause trachoma and sexually transmitted chlamydia are similar there's a lot of scope for overlap of research to develop and test a vaccine. And are you going back to Bijagos anytime soon? Yes we'll be going uh, later this year probably from October onwards to do some impact surveys and see how the treatment is working there, probably also to collect some data on urogenital and sexually transmitted chlamydia.